Today, it is an absolute pleasure to welcome one of our just absolute accomplished CIOs in our industry, someone who is active in all the Chime communities. He has been a longtime friend, a longtime mentor to me and so many others, Craig Richardville. Craig is an active member of our Public Policy Steering Committee, one of our most important initiatives. But he also has that same disease that so many of us has, and that's the inability to say no when certain people call. So he volunteers for everything at a moment's notice. He and his teams, whether it's at his current position or in many of his organizations before, have received numerous industry accolades, including some of the top awards in the entire nation, if not the world. But he in particular was named our CHIME 2015 CIO of the Year, which is the highest honor we can bestow on a CHIME member. He carries lots and lots of credentials, but I'll, selfishly, I'll say the most important, he is a certified healthcare chief information officer, CHCIO, and he holds that certification. Again, a friend, a mentor to so many, especially me personally. And now back in his, my old stomping ground in Colorado, it is my pleasure to introduce Craig Richerville, Senior Vice President, Chief Information Officer and Chief Digital Officer at SCL Health in Colorado. Craig, welcome to the program. Hey, Russ, thank you. I really appreciate the, uh, the kind introduction. Well, how are you? How are our friends in Colorado doing? How's your family doing? I know you've got a big family that really gets together, but we're still in those crazy times of COVID. So how's everything going? Uh, you know, overall, uh, we're doing well, you know, and, and thanks for asking. You know, my, my wife, she's immunocompromised, so she's staying healthy uh, throughout this whole past year and a half. And all three of my boys, they're actually all in healthcare. One just Got his MBA from Florida, and he's now on the partner side after spending eight years on the provider side. And my middle son is uh, treating patients. He's a physician up at uh, the Cleveland Clinic, and my youngest is in IT and uh, looking to advance in the cyber area. So very blessed and proud of all of them and how they've uh, worked over these last two years. Well, it's cool to see them uh, growing up and spreading their wings and doing well. And uh, I follow you a little bit there on Facebook. It's great to see your boys doing so well. So happy to see that. So let's talk a little bit about where you're at now. You haven't been in that position that long relative to other positions you've had for a long time as the Chief Information Officer at SCL, which if I remember correctly, that's actually the new name for an older, older organization been around a long time. People might recognize Sisters of Charity from Leavenworth, but they go by SCL now. But you also wear the hat of Chief Digital Officer. So we'd love to hear about your new role. Uh, really not that new. You've been there for a little while. But that role and, and how these two different jobs kind of mingle together. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, SCL Health uh, is the, uh, the merger of Sisters of Charity of Leavenworth and Exempla that was based out of Denver and they came together and formed SCL Health. And I've been here for two and a half years and technically it's really like my third job. So I uh, started out with ProMedica where I spent 11 years and Atrium Health for 21 years. And now here uh, at SCL Health and this really is a, a fantastic mission-driven organization. Uh, when you look at the role and I've been here two and a half years and with that has come a, a lot of change. We really have uh, turned over every aspect of IT and digital. And one of the things that you do in taking on a new role is you kind of spend the first, you know, 90 to 100 days doing what I call kind of like a listening tour and an assessment. So I spend all my time doing that work, uh, listening to other people, listening to people as part of the team, our customers. And really, it became clearly obvious 
that one of the holes that we had uh, not only was within our leadership team of which we turned most of that over and created a new team, but also in terms of the programming that we had. Uh, we didn't have anything around the digital space. And I think most of us know is that certainly is something that has been around. Other industries have done well on that space and healthcare uh, is a little more infant and we needed to create that capacity. So uh, what I did was I went over to our chief marketing officer and she was new to the organization in her role as well. And we chatted about how we want to create that capacity. So when I restructured my team, I, as part of that restructuring, I created an open position, not a new position, but moved things around that we then became the vice president of digital services. And she took her team and we took the existing teams that were within the organization. We put that all in under one leader. And with that, then me and her became the, uh, the governance uh, for the steering committee. So, so what would you say is a, is a primary difference between a traditional role of, say, a CIO, which we, you know, you and I have both been in those roles multiple times. Mm -hmm. um, and, and what would you say one of the, the, the stark differences is in the role of digital as we're seeing this really blend into the new CIO, what I call the CIO 3.0 is, is that role of digital. What, what would you say from your perspective is the big difference? Uh, the really difference is, is, so if you go back traditionally, you know, most people within the CIO role started out as a director or started out over the technology kind of running data centers and infrastructure and devices. And, and it was really kind of more on the hardware side. And then you saw a lot of things happening, especially in our industry with the software, with the EMRs coming out, um, revenue cycle systems and and really running healthcare as a business. So software then became kind of the 2.0. And then in the digital space, it really is transforming how we do our work. And the way that we've developed our program is a little different, I think, than many. Uh, a lot of people focus the digital space primarily on the consumer piece. Uh, you see that in the retail, you see that in banking or financial services. It really is about attracting new customers and then also retaining those customers. What we've done here is, is that's just part of our program. So when I wanted to divide the digital or come up with how we wanted to define digital, and there's so many different definitions, we broke it into four pillars. So I've got a whole list of digital activities that go focus on the consumer, those people who don't know us, those people who don't have a relationship with us, and things like a digital front door. How do we get people to be having access to our services? Then I've got a whole set of suite of uh, work going on around our patient. Those that are part of our organization, how do we keep them connected? How do we help them navigate through our health system? How do we use them when they go in and out of our health system so they come back to us, but for certain services, they may need to go to a different part of uh, our community and then come back to us for that. Uh, one of the other pieces that we focus on, our third piece is really on our provider side. How can we create our providers such that we can take some of the new artificial intelligence that's coming out uh, and really kind of uh, embed that into the work to help in their, the decision-making that happens on the provider side. So we're doing things like conversational artificial intelligence, taking a clinic interpretation of uh, a medical note, the creation of a conversation between a patient and a provider and having the system then create that medical note for review versus documenting or dictating uh, the conversation. So 
things like that we're starting to do on the provider side. And then the last one really is creating the digital workforce on the associate side. So things like robotic process automation, things with uh, chatbots, things that uh, with our contact centers, things that really help us to be more effective and efficient in the work that brings us back then into that whole consumer or patient engagement. Yeah, so we've been talking about this for quite a while about this, this next economic revolution. We're leaving the information age. We're going into what I call it the AI age and that we're really jumping into this. It's not a transformational period anymore. It's a revolutionary period for healthcare. Other industries may have seen their, their period of that earlier, like banking or airlines or so many other things that really went through this that, that, that kind of revolutionary phase. What's, you know, what's maybe one technology, what's maybe one project you've worked on that you just go, that is just that cool that you'd like to share with us? Yeah, I would say um, the one that I would talk about was uh, we partnered with a company called uh, Syllable, a smaller company, got their roots out of Google, a great leader uh, in that company. I talked to a couple of our colleagues across the country who either have invested or were starting to use them. And really, they came in and uh, really transformed how we do some of our connections with our patients and working through the list. And I'll give you a, a simple example. So when COVID was in its peak last year, we had a waiting list of about 180,000 uh, patients that wanted to get the vaccine. And people were signed up for multiple waiting lists. And as the capacity and the availability of the vaccine became more and more available, we wanted to try to make sure we could fill those slots. So with that, you know, we had people calling, you know, people that were on the waiting list. And in many cases, people had already gone out, gone out and got the vaccine at a different location or uh, a different provider. So with that came a lot of manual process. So with this company, they actually took our information out of the sales force, uh, went ahead and created the contacts with all 180,000 patients in a matter of four days, that 180,000 uh, waiting list moved itself down to 30,000. And those were 30,000 people that still wanted the vaccine, but yet were not available to get it. So we could slot them into our slots without all the other time and phone tag that goes on with the old manual way. So little things like that, I think really make a big difference. And now even with that same company, we're looking at uh, in an NDA with some things that we're doing with Google search that are gonna be really new and exciting uh, to our industry, but it'll be very typical of what people see in other industries. Yeah, it's so interesting. When you think about the amount of human labor that you saved by doing a project like that, uh, with just using probably very complex, but to the customer, some fairly simplistic tools, that's, that's absolutely remarkable. Mm -hmm. And so let's just talk about this because you talked about kind of where we were relative to that first kind of big wave. And we've had a couple of subsequent waves and now we're in, I don't even know what number wave this is at this point. You know, I'm going to maybe say third or fourth. And obviously big community that you're in, that greater Denver area, that whole region there, which is just growing by leaps and bounds. But, you know, now we're kind of dealing with the fact that most being impacted are those that are not vaccinated. And that can be for lots of different reasons. They have personal reasons or they just don't have the education or maybe in some cases, you know, those that are in a disadvantaged areas. I'd love to hear what you think kind of success looks like for your organization, for that community, which I still have lots of friends in. You know, what do you think that looks like right now? 
Yeah, um, that, that's a great question, Russ. Uh, success is going to look different, uh, certainly to different people. The one thing that I will say about SEO Health that is uh, quite special is, uh, and you named it in your, in your comment, is we do serve especially the poor and vulnerable. So all God's children, but we focus on the, the poor and the vulnerable. And that's you know, our opportunity to go through and to uh, really serve the communities that might be uh, unserved or underserved, certainly in, in some cases. Uh, success for us will certainly be not only to control uh, the, the spreading of the virus, uh, but also um, how do we begin to utilize that data to be able to predict, uh, not only in this case uh, with the COVID, but also uh, with new things that are happening uh, in the future that we just don't know that are coming our way. And so I think we need to learn from this, uh, not only in terms of the resolving the current situation, but how do we be better prepared for the next one or the next variant of something of like this that may come toward us. And with that comes the absolute use of data and utilizing the data to start to, what I would say is, is continue the transition or accelerate the transition of the art of medicine or the art of the, the care into the science, truly to remove the variability that does exist because we do have people that are polarized on both uh, sides in, in this situation whether it's political or religious or all the other reasons that uh, could be out there, how do we really start to get the, the, those, um, those that are outside the norm back into what would be the norm for the, and be in the best interest of our communities that we serve. And that is something that can't be done overnight, but as we continue to use data to make decisions, use data to educate and really start to get that out into the forefront, I think for the most part, people will be able to make some, the right decision uh, in a more well-informed decision. Yeah, I appreciate that. And boy, I'd just love to see some more getting vaccinated so that we can kind of hopefully put this thing behind us. But I love the fact that we also need to be ready for the next one. You know, one of the things that you do in always helping us be ready is you have been a stalwart on our public policy steering committee or what we refer to as our PSC. And, uh, and you definitely don't get paid for that, but boy, do we work you hard on those committees. And it is probably the most, uh, I don't think I can say not probably, it is the hardest working committee we have in Chime, trying to figure out what's going in, on in Washington, how to appropriately educate and react our whole industry on so many things coming out at a period of ma mass chaos sometimes with the amount of communication and different thoughts that are happening. You know, just from your perspective, what do you think is going on in D.C. these days? I'm not asking for a political answer by any means. We're not going to play that game. Uh, no, nobody will win on that one. But more importantly, from a health IT perspective, you know, kind of some of the highlights, things you think are really hitting forefront for you and your position. Well, let me first, uh, Russ, commend you and Chime for putting together uh, this committee. I've been a member of this committee uh, for many years, as you mentioned. And you really put some top talent. And Mari Savickas and her team, uh, they're, they're the best and the brightest. And it is something that continually I, I learn from and their interpretation and their networking and how they're able to touch some of the people uh, in DC who are the decision makers. But probably on the most part, first and foremost, they listen to those of us on the committee so that they can get and shape the, the answers or the comments that they want to share back. and represent all of Chime and uh, all of the healthcare industry. They, they truly are uh, just, just as great talent. And Appreciate then I sit that. there and I sit there and I'm part of this team of my colleagues that I listen to them talk and 
couple of them are no longer, they, uh, they have retired from the system, but they still say very engaged and many are still active. And I listen to them and I, I just continue to learn. I consider myself a, a student for life. So as I can contribute periodically, most of the time I'm listening and learning from people who might have a different lens than I have and really have a different perspective. And it helps me shape mine to be a more informed and a, and a better perspective. If you look at maybe some of the top things that, the, that we're working on, uh, one is certainly around cybersecurity that continues to be a big area of focus. Uh, interoperability, uh, huge uh, you know, for us. And, and now that you're starting to see the emerging of some of these other industries on the retail and the tech side, uh, the more information that we can share as well as the more information that we can consume, the better off we'll be in making decisions and being competitive. A patient identification continues to be something that I know Russ is near and dear to your heart and myself and many others is really continuing to see how do we make sure that we do have the right patient and all the information available to the caregiver when that patient presents themselves uh, to our system. So I, I really enjoy uh, being an engaged member of that committee and I would just encourage anybody, if you have the interest and you have the time, it's something that will be a great investment for you. And at a minimum, there is a monthly newsletter. Um, sign up for that because that is very concise and it's very complete. Well, like anything in, uh, in, in the regulatory world, it's outdated the next day, but you continue to show the progress that, that, we're, that we're making. So, you know, we talked about kind of 2.0, 3.0 healthcare, where we're going. You know, you, you're a pretty innovative person. You can really, you know, you, you don't just see the future, you help shape the future. So give us a little uh, Craig Richardville crystal ball, you know, maybe pick a date, three, five years from now. You know, we don't want to get too far out because then we'll just all be in Star Trek or Star Wars land by then. But, um, you know, where do you see going? What do you see the big changes going to be that really kind of rock healthcare's world? Yeah, you know, I, uh, I love innovation, as you know, and I think it's always part of every one of our jobs in innovation, transformation, digital, uh, obviously. And when you look at innovation, you know, there's kind of like two extremes. One is you can be on the imitation side, which I think is pretty much at the beginning. You know, you don't you know, it may be innovative for your system or your community or for the industry, but you're imitating, you're taking it from somewhere else and bring it in. And that's fantastic. Those are more what I would say, probably lower hanging fruit, easy to do, great measurements, great uh, ability to predict uh, the outcomes. And the other side on, on the invention side, which only a few people really have that ability, I think to truly invent something that we can then uh, take advantage of. And we find ourselves and myself kind of, kind of smack in the middle of that and probably a little bit more on the imitation side, only because we can take things from other industries. And when I look at things that are coming up down the road. The first one you mentioned earlier, artificial intelligence, it's very promising. And I'd like to at some point remove the word artificial because if you're telling somebody it's artificial, they may not think it's quote unquote real. It's kind of like uh, when we do um, um, you know, virtual care, uh, it's really just online care. I don't virtual bank or virtual retail, I online bank and I online shop. And so we got to, I think some of our terminology may date us or give us in the a different perspective from other people's lenses. So I think we gotta remove some of that. But when you look at AI, it has a tremendous opportunity on the clinical side. You're looking at things maybe with robotics or with radiology readings, uh, cancer findings. There's a lot of things that AI will be able to assist us with. 
I do think when you look at artificial intelligence, I think one point to remember is that it will not replace providers, but providers who don't use artificial intelligence will be replaced. And a simple example of that would be something that we all probably do every day is our GPS system. You know, the GPS can't get us from point A to point B by itself, but it complements us and it helps us to be more effective and more efficient, but you still have some decisions that you can make that might be different than GPS, but very few of us will pull out a map and do it kind of the old fashioned way. We are using the intelligence that that is providing to us to make uh, decisions when we travel. But I think robotics is a, is, is a big place that I talked about in the surgical piece. You're starting to see that happening, but you're also starting to see us starting to come about on the, uh, uh, the more administrative side. So some of the simplistic structures such as uh, stocking supplies or delivering foods uh, to have a robot uh, do that kind of a work versus a, a person. And I think the biggest one for me that we'll see uh, will continue to accelerate for us is mobility and self-service. Uh, you know, we need to deliver healthcare in your pocket. It needs to be where you are, not where we are. And with that comes a lot of tools that I think we can mature to allow you to do more self-service. So I pay my bills like many others um, online, on my phone, on a computer. I don't go to a bank. And I actually did recently, and when I did, I went into a video conference room. It was video banking. Went to a clear glass room and spoke to somebody uh, that wasn't certainly physically where I was at. So those are things I think that are coming that way. And when you look at uh, on the self-service side, if we can provide those tools and we will, that will relieve some of the more commoditized tasks that we do today and allow uh, the patient, he or she, to do those, that work themselves. And they'll like to do it because you know, we do it today with um, paying the bills, like I mentioned. We put the guardrails around it and give you the tool that's easy to you. It's very intuitive. People will, uh, will really uh, consume that quickly. You know, it's interesting that you, you, you said the comment you did about the A and AI and, and not calling it artificial. I actually, a couple of weeks ago, I heard somebody call it this, and I have been calling it ever since this. It's advanced intelligence, not artificial intelligence. I love it. So let's let everybody now know and across the entire industry from this point forward that Craig and Russ said, call it advanced intelligence, not artificial intelligence. So my vote. there we go. That's great. You know, it's interesting because the, the comment you made in there about how people innovate and, and not any one of them are wrong, maybe, maybe the exception of the extreme laggards, but it's okay to be bleeding edge. It's okay to be fast followers and slow followers, even in some situations when the risk doesn't help, but uh, we all have to change. That's for sure. And we have to continue to drive this industry at a pretty rapid pace. So I appreciate all you're doing on that. So I got one last question for you. Uh, and, and, and this one, I'm going to throw a little curveball at you. You didn't know this one was coming at all. Um, and you already worried a little bit. You're like, okay, you know too much about me, but that's not what this is. Um, and that is, you attack healthcare, and in particular, and attacks the wrong word, you, you just have such a driving passion for this industry. And in particular, I see you have this incredible passion for our organization. And I in intentionally use the term our because it's not mine, it's not yours, it's not everybody else. It's, it really is a community. I'd love to know why you seem to care so much about healthcare in a generic sense, but also um, this organization, Chime. You know, that's a. Um... <laughs> Sometimes I ask myself that, <laughs> but I truly think it's uh, it's 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 just a passion that I have, and 
uh, to share a, a sad story, yet it was one that was motivating for me, is uh, one of my brothers passed away um, over 30 years ago. And with that, I had the opportunity to see him and be with him in a healthcare setting. And that was uh, very early on uh, in my career. And with that came uh, some understanding for me that this is something that I am not gonna be a provider that just not who I was or who, what I was educated on, but if I can help those who are providers and help our patients ultimately uh, who are in those great needs of care, uh, that's something I wanna commit myself to. And then on the technology side, I really, when I was in college, I took uh, some coding classes and just love the, the uh, practicality and the reasoning and just the thought processes that went into that. So putting both those two together really became something that was a great fit for me and allowed me then to be able to love my work and love the people who I work with. And with that comes, I, I have fun every day. I really enjoy coming in the office. I enjoy working with people. I enjoy seeing our outcomes and the changes that we're able to make, uh, taking the things that we've been able to do in our personal life and bring it into our professional life and bringing healthcare, which I would argue is probably one of the most uh, advanced in technology these days, which a couple of decades ago, it certainly was not a lot of paper driven, a lot of manual stuff. So it's really been exciting uh, to watch all that and be uh, a small part of some of that change. And then when you look at Chime as an organization, going back to one of my earlier comments, you know, just being a, um, a student for life, it is really, uh, I just get uh, uh, just enamored by the amount of intellect and the amount of forward thinking that is in part of Chime. And when the people that are members and the forums that have been put together and the interactions that I have, there are uh, literally dozens and dozens of CIOs I keep in a regular contact with. And I'm there just learning from them and saying, how can I take that good idea and make it a great idea where I'm at and impact those communities that we're all privileged to serve. And so I just, you know, it's, it's a great forum for me to stay connected, not only with what's happening uh, within the industry itself, but with my peers and some of the, the things that uh, we all kind of share and bounce back and forth with. And, you know, it's one of those things that is kind of like, a, it is its own family. You know, if anybody who's a, a CIO or a member of Chime reaches out to me, I immediately re reach back out to them. That's the same thing with all of my uh, employees and people that I work with. I just got done with a new employee uh, orientation this morning and everybody has my cell phone. Everybody can reach me at any time because I'm here for them and I'm here to be a servant leader for them and just privileged to be part of Chime because the intellect that is here is amazing. And when somebody says we need to hire from outside of industry, I'm like, oh, no, you really don't. There's, 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 there's hundreds of brilliant people out here that need uh, probably to be maybe a little bit more exposed because many of us are very humble. And we just don't share and get out there like maybe others might. Uh, but I think it's we need to you know kind of beat our chest a little bit because we're doing some great work here. Well, Craig, uh, thank you so much for your leadership, your passion, your service to our industry, and. and to our organization, it, it is not as it, technically it's an association, but really, as you said, it's a family of people that all come together trying to do the right thing. We just appreciate you and all you do on a single, every single day and for, for everyone in this industry. Thank you, Russ. Appreciate you as well.
Well, we'd also like to thank you, our listeners, for joining us for this episode of the Digital Health Leaders Podcast. Uh, this episode was brought to you by our great friends in the Chime Foundation, LK. We spoke a lot about innovation, and they are truly one of those innovative companies. If you want to listen to this or any of our programs, please feel free to go to our website, chimecentral.org forward slash media or to Spotify or Apple or any of the other broadcast systems that are out there. So for now, on behalf of our entire Chime family, please stay safe and vigilant during these difficult times. And if you haven't, please consider getting vaccinated. It's not just for you, but for the people around you. Take care, be safe, and God bless.